Welcome back to Brain to Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy, by epileptics, for epileptics, and our caretakers. In this episode, we'll talk through some specific causes of stigma and provide tips regarding how to deal with the people that sling it. If you're new to Brain to Blaze, I just want to say that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone that has struggled with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. I perceive that most people envision the fight against stigma as an epic battlefield, where good sits on one side, beating back the hordes of evil that reside on the other. This metaphor certainly makes those who fight against stigma feel better about their hero's journey, but it can also be misleading. While a selected few do seek out to learn stigma, most people just absorb it. Case in point, in last week's episode, I described the eureka moment I had when I learned I was just as susceptible to stigma as anyone else. That moment, among others, propelled me into learning about the rights of disabled and ultimately pushed me to become an advocate for epilepsy awareness. The battlefield metaphor provides us an easy us-versus-them game. Recent current events in the United States and throughout the world have shown how difficult it is to get two parties to come together to make a difference. If we were to stick with the battlefield metaphor, rather than taking sides, I propose that the only way the people of epilepsy will make a progress is to cross the line to understand why the stigma exists and prevent it from further growing. More than anything, this process takes determination and patience. Though information is power, what one does with the information is equally important. So let's take a look at the characteristics of the people in the fight to better understand the best way we can communicate to get the voices of awareness to echo the loudest. If we're all on a hero's journey, let's celebrate it by using an example of the best hero journey movie ever. I'm just kidding. I think we can all agree that we strive to have all people, including ourselves, be both knowledgeable and willing to help. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The few people I've met that have attained this goal are true heroes. Examples often include patient advocates, the good doctors that have spent years of their lives dedicating to helping each one of us, and of course, our carers. Our carers are truly the ordinary heroes that stick with us under the grind, knowing full well their work will never be highlighted on the evening news. Parents like Mike Cox and Rachel Edicott are forced to learn on the job while raising their children. Epilepsy is thrust upon those of us that have it. Spouses like Ruth Moore are true heroes as they haven't slammed the door on the chronic illness when it comes knocking. Whether they are parents, spouses, sons, daughters, sisters, or brothers, carers often are forced to become our personal driver, pharmacist, publicist, nurse, or even therapists. In doing so, they often learn as much about epilepsy as the people who, for whom they care. I suggest that when you come in contact with this type of person. Hello there. You stop and listen. Oh, don't worry, you'll be all right. Try to understand from where they're coming. How can their story be applied to what you are trying to do? But let's face it, most of us aren't gurus. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. We want to help, but because circumstances out of our control, we just haven't done so yet. Life gets in the way. I can't get involved. I've got work to do. It's not that I like the Empire. I hate it, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. As people of epilepsy, each one of us knows our seizures. Even if we can't manage them, 
Most of us have learned tips and tricks to accommodate them. If we are to make others aware of us as a group, we should strive to learn as much as we possibly can about the awareness we're trying to raise. When you meet another person who is highly motivated but lacks the practical knowledge to raise awareness, it is important that you do not destroy the motivational spirit by suggesting that they just look it up. Actively sit down with them to help them understand the data, figures, classification types, medications, and all of the other things that make life with epilepsy so challenging. We've all been there, haven't we? Believe me, every minute invested into a motivated individual will be paid off in hours of great work. Rather than telling people to pipe down, we should instead enable people to find their true voice. It sometimes feels that for every person who is motivated to join our cause and raise epilepsy awareness, there are another two or three that are not motivated to help us at all. Usually when dealing with stigma, the first type of person one will witness slinging stigma is a person that's not knowledgeable of our condition and has no motivation at all to help us. Surprise was wiser. He is as clumsy as he is stupid. Leave them to me. I will deal with them myself. These people will often sap every ounce of patience you have, as there is usually not an easy way to deal with them. However, that doesn't mean that we should give up before trying. The best you can do is repeatedly offer up your experience with epilepsy. Hopefully, it will change their mind and motivate them to our cause. In fact, that's one of the goals of this whole podcast. However, most bullies enjoy bullying. Did your pleas to your childhood bully ever affect their actions on the playground? What, are you going to cry now? Come on, cry, baby. Cry for me. Come on. Cry. <laughs> I thought not. One of the most frustrating things for me personally is that sometimes I perceive that 90% of our community's time is spent trying to educate a very small group of people who obviously don't wish to be convinced. Why do you have to be such a wanker? Because I get off on it. In recent months, a gang of internet trolls has attacked leading epilepsy awareness advocates and groups on social media by sending graphics containing flashing lights. Our community's response has been stunning. We agree with the thousands of people from around the world that have condemned these trolls' actions. Tens of thousands of man-hours have been spent by people in our community posting messages directly to the trolls, describing in incredible detail why they or anybody else shouldn't be posting these type of graphics. Yet, months after they started, the posts continue. I often wonder what could have been attained by these motivated members in our community if they had stopped trying to respond to each and every post. What else could we have attained? I'm warning you, Gang Hunt. This video is really gonna rock your world. Can you please call me Gerald? It's a very obscure news story from the BBC in England. Hardly anyone's even seen it over here. This is why we all have to come together. Since the dawn of the internet, message boards and chat rooms have lit up with people who incite and insult for no apparent reason. They're called trolls. And a controversial company in Denmark is working to make them a thing of the past. The days of trolls hiding behind nicknames and message boards are over, the Danish claim. As a new website, trolltrace.com will soon be up and running. In less than a month, the servers will become active. Anyone can take any troll comment and send it through the Danish servers where a real name and a physical address will be attached. Every message, every comment ever made by trolls will retroactively be given a tag with the author's name, location and full internet history. The notoriety of each bully is purely based on the total number of people they can bully. By even acknowledging that we are being bullied, 
We are only stroking each bully's ego with more ammunition that will be used against us. Bullies are terrible, but the last set of people on our list, the ones that are actually knowledgeable of our condition, but are still unmotivated to help us, are the worst stigma slingers out there. For example, the human resources rep that doesn't want to go to bat for you? And what about the professor that is unwilling to make accommodations as it would give you an advantage over your classmates? Good. I can feel your anger. I am defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all of your hatred and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. Sometimes, whole institutions that were once designed with the hope to help promote stigma. Hey, we don't serve their kind here. One of the biggest examples is how institutions use or even manipulate our community's identity to further their own goals. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Now I know that I'm starting to stray into conspiracy theories here, but I promise you, I do have a point. What do you envision in your head when you think of someone who has epilepsy? You probably see yourself, right? What would you like people outside of our community to think of when they do the same exercise? I've personally asked many members of our community that same question, and we came up with this short that highlights the problem. In a world of strife lives a woman another one of those 3.5 million Americans with epilepsy. It's no big deal. Meet Jane. A provider. I just need those floor plans by next Friday. You got them, boss. A teacher. Mom, I'm never gonna get this right. Here, let's try again. And an advocate. You can learn more at brainablaze.com. Here, at Brain Ablaze, we feel that the identity that should be presented is of a person who lives with epilepsy, understands it's a big part of their life, but doesn't let it define who they are. However, have you ever noticed that some institutions provide contrary identities when it fits their needs? To call attention to an important campaign, they might present that all of us can't work, or can't lead normal lives, or depict all people of epilepsy as children. The original motivation is sincere, of course. Their hope is to drive people that remain outside of our community to learn more about it. While we applaud their original intention, we also know that the first impressions are important and long-lasting. Many years ago, I brought up this simple observation to a person that has a vital vote in what campaigns are created for his epilepsy awareness-based institution. He responded matter-of-factly, Well, David, babies drive donations. It's no wonder that the popular stigma that epilepsy mainly, or even only, affects children is so prevalent within the general public. This information is presented to them fairly often. One of the most important things we can do as a community is to call out stigma wherever we see it. We should not allow institutions to provide stigma as fact in the short term, with the hope that it would lead to large payoffs in the long term. You're all clear, kid! Now let's blow this thing and go home! Is there a particular movie that immediately pops into your head when you think of your personal hero's journey? Next week will be a final episode in our Stigma series. 
and we'll focus on our attention to bring a story of one man's struggle to overcome stigma in his own life. And don't worry, it won't be me this time. If you're interested, subscribe to our show so you won't miss it. We would love to hear any of your comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can always reach out to us via email at social at or on Twitter at BrainBlaze. If you like this episode, consider helping us by providing a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. More five-star ratings allows us to increase our rankings so we can raise epilepsy awareness to a wider audience. One small click really does help. See you next time.